Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello. Uh, this is me, Chris McGlade. Tickets are on sale for my critically acclaimed show, Forgiveness, at the iconic 100 Club on Oxford Street in London. How can you write a comedy show about the murder of your father? Well, Chris McGlade, the Northern Comedian, has with his critically acclaimed show, Forgiveness, at the 100 Club on Oxford Street, October the 12th. Tickets at billetto.co.uk or at the 100 Club. Chris McGlade, Forgiveness. Come down and see the show. Thanks very much. From the people who turned a niche Scottish football podcast into a critically acclaimed TV show on the BBC. It's Review from the Terrace, a pop culture podcast network. Hello and welcome to the Still Game podcast. My name is Bethany Tennick. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Scottish Rewatchable. Hello and welcome to Review from the Turnbuckle. Debating the best in movies, iconic TV shows, classic albums, peak year of wrestling and so much more. Some intern got fired for that. Like, <laughs> be like, Jared! And what would you have done? <laughs> Loved it. What a moment. What a moment. Review from the Terrace brings together a collection of professionals, pals, misfits and special guest interviews. The one and only Ewan Angus. Big G Telfer. Director of Still Games, Michael Hines. That's Review from the Terrace, a newly created podcast network with at least two shows dropping every week. Hi, neighbour. Good to see you, man. Good to see you, man. It's been a long time, man. <laughs> Many people will say it's the biggest moment in the history of wrestling. It's about 35. <laughs> <laughs> Find us on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome to the Chelsea, the Chelsea podcast with me, Andy Saunders. I'm joined today by two guests, uh, regular 
Gary Hayes, getting a lot of minutes this season. Um, but new boy coming up through the youth ranks, uh, Ty Atkins, uh, your debut on the pod. How does it feel, Ty? It feels very good that you said youth ranks, mate. Because uh... <laughs> well, you look youthful. Uh, the, the listeners don't have uh, have the opportunity to see, you, but I'm looking at you on a video screen here, and you know you're 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 clearly a man who's much younger than me, anyway. So anybody that's uh, younger than me is in the youth ranks. Uh, probably, probably not much, mate. I'm in my mid forties, but I'm trying to keep myself well as, well as much as I can do. But uh, no, I appreciate that all the same. Absolute pleasure to be here, guys. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Ty. What, what do you do? Uh, I'm a comedian, and I'm sort of here, there, and everywhere doing my bit. I also a humorist. I write gags for people, which I'm not allowed to disclose, but that's pretty much my bread and butter. You're a regular at the bridge? Uh, yeah, not so much this season, actually. I had to relinquish uh, my season ticket of late simply because of childcare and what have you, but that should be reinstated next year. But with COVID and whatnot, I just thought, you know what, I'll give it a skip. But nonetheless, I've managed to get to a couple of games this season already for your membership. And, uh, yeah, we, we are not doing too bad, but obviously... I know we're going to talk about this weekend. We'll come, so. we'll come we'll and come talk about it. that. Yeah, absolutely. Gary, how are you? I'm good, Andy. Thank you very much. I'm... Nice microphone this week. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, no, no, uh, no earpods. I'm glad to meet Ty. Thanks for the introduction, Andy. <laughs> well, he said, said some you, nice things before we came on. As, uh, as I said to you, you're very famous, so there was no need for him to introduce to you. Um, but you know, he's uh, he's just given us a very good uh, understanding of who he is. So um, you know, we're we're all acquainted now. Um, and you've been well, Gary. What have you been up to this week? Well, I did have the misfortune of going on social media yesterday and realising it was your birthday, so I thought, do I have to say happy birthday to him? Yeah, and you didn't, obviously. <laughs> well, I thought I'd save it for today, so happy 60th, Andy. <laughs> Very good. Very funny. Uh, you, you're, you're I think Ty needs to write some gags for me. Clearly a humorist <laughs> as well. <laughs> Next week, maybe. Uh, it was my birthday, but we'll come along and talk about how that was spent on Saturday. Um, let's talk though about the first game of the week, which was the the fourth round or the third round, I should say, of the Carabao Cup, uh, where we played Aston Villa at Stamford Bridge, um, and it was it was a fun game. Ty, did you go to the game? Watch the game? I caught it through uh, nefarious means. Uh, should we say I was indoors that night, and I'm sure it was just me that did it that way. Yeah, uh, nobody, nobody on this podcast has ever watched an illegal stream, so I'm sure you're probably the the first one who's ever done that because we we obviously we don't condone that kind of behaviour. Of course, we do not. But uh, I used the word nefarious carefully. Right. <laughs> it was a fun game, wasn't it? Really, I mean, it was it was quite refreshing going in to that particular match, not yeah. really caring if we went through because that's pretty much where I am as a Chelsea fan. I, I suspect a lot of us are certainly a lot of my pals anyway. Um, it, it's somewhat of a bonus, but then of course you start looking at the fixture list, and there we are. Um, so yeah, I think it was it was a, a fair amount of abandonment. It was nice to see Werner start uh, and get a run out and get his goal and and put in a pretty typical Werner performance. But overall, it was yeah, it was okay, wasn't it? But again, it was nice nice to watch a game where you know the the, the result wasn't particularly the most important thing. Yeah. Gary, so so if you win, it's a good one, and if you lose, it's the Mickey Mouse Cup. Yeah, right? well, I said last week, didn't I, that I hoped we'd lose. Not that I want Chelsea you to did. lose, but... Well, clearly you do if you said you hoped they'd lose. No, it, it, was, it was an odd one, wasn't it? Like, Ty, I, um, I had to find other means to watch it. I put out a tweet and I said, how is everyone... I saw everyone who was watching the game. I was like, how is everyone who's not at the game watching the game? And I got this flurry of DMs of, like, go here. Um, so I watched it and um, it was just good as an exercise of watching Ruben. We spoke about Ruben earlier on in the season, didn't we? And I, I just I just love him for the guy that he is anyway. Um, 
So seeing him come on and play well, you know, doing what he did. And I just thought as well that I wish it had been three years earlier because then there's that that romance of when JT came on for Dan Petrescu in, what, 98? Same round in the Cup against Villa. But we won that game 4-0 and that sort of started his career. And I'm hoping it sort of springboards Ruben back into his Chelsea career. Because I think out of everything to come from the game, that's the one thing you want to see, isn't it? Yeah. So let's have a look at the team. Um, Kepper in goal. Back four by the looks of it, wasn't it? James, Chalabar, uh, Saar and Chilwell with uh, Kante, Loftus-Cheek and, and Saul in midfield and then a three up front of Hudson, Adoy, Werner and Ziyech. Saar was interesting, wasn't he? An interesting inclusion. How do you think he did? The silence says it, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, well, let's put it, I'm not giving it any thought. Right. His, his his participation in the match, actually, which is, you know, I'm not going to damn the guy and just assume, right, okay, that's that's two bit of performance, or, or sorry, um, on, you know, on the back of that one performance. But yeah, I, I didn't really have one one way or the other a, a strong feeling or, or opinion, really. Um, we know what the League Cup's about. We know we're going to give runouts. And so, yeah, I, I'll, I'll defer to Gary on this one, mate. I, I generally didn't have... Well, he was just off the pace massively, wasn't he? Misplaced passes, out of position. And you look at it and you think maybe that's just because he's adapting. And we, we've seen, you know, talk about debuts. A fit Ivanovic made his debut in the League Cup after we because we'd signed him in the January when he was in pre-season mode at Lokomotiv Moscow. So he had to wait so long. Yeah, he didn't play for ages, did he, Ivanovic? It was, it was funny, actually. Quick anecdote. Um, I interviewed him on the day that we signed him. And he and he was chatting through his agent, and his agent said, "Oh, he's better than Vidic." And I was like, "Yeah, okay, we've heard this, you know." And because um, they're both Serbian, and he just got married, and he just come off his honeymoon, and um, and then when we saw him in training, um, one of the young kids, I remember Mark Beanie came into the tra- came into the canteen after, and he was laughing, saying, "Oh, one of the young kids has put him on his ass in in training. You know, he took the piss out of him," and. Um, and everyone just thought, oh, look, this guy's not going to do anything. And obviously, we had to wait so long. Chelsea got to the Champions League final with Avram, and he didn't play. And then we had to wait until he made his debut, and he didn't look that great then. But obviously, he became the Ivanovic that we know and loved, right? Um, so maybe Sarah's got that about him. I don't know. I think it's, it's harsh to judge it on one game. Um, but then you see him, that you look at this Chelsea team, and he just way below par, way below the standard. I, I was at the game, and one thing that struck me was he's not very tall. Um, and he was playing in a centre back position. Um, he is athletic. Um, he did. He did look athletic. He looked reasonably uh, mobile. Um, he talked a lot, which I liked. So there were things to kind of like about him as a kid. Um, but I think you're right. I think it was a, a bit of a step up for him. But this is what these kind of games are for, as we've mentioned, isn't it? They're, they're, they're to throw these kids in, see whether they can cope with the, um, you know, with, with with the with the circumstances. And I would say this about the game: it was packed. And the atmosphere was brilliant, which, you know, if you'd have said 18 months ago, two years ago, you're going to have a third round Carabao Cup game and it's going to be rocking at Stamford Bridge, I would have laughed you out of town. But I think it just sort of shows how much people are loving football again and loving being at the football. Obviously, there were quite a lot of tourists, quite a lot of kids there, but that's what you expect for these kind of games. But generally, a lot of singing, a lot of atmosphere. It just felt great. So that was one of the main reasons I really enjoyed the game, apart from the fact that it was a good game. Um, another person that came back into the team uh, was Chilwell, 
Gary. Um, we've had a lot of conversations over the last couple of weeks about Alonso Chilwell, Chilwell Alonso. How do you think he did? I mean, let's you know put aside the fact that he missed his penalty. So he shouldn't, he shouldn't have had that penalty. Fair play to him for stepping up because it shows he's got a bit of bottle, right? And I know, again, it's the Carabao Cup, right? So we have to caveat it with that. But it's not like the Super Cup or it's the Champions League game. But... Um, yeah, I just I was willing him to score, like I'm sure every Chelsea fan was. So to see him miss, I was just gutted for him because then it just sort of, you know, just pounds him down a bit more with his the situation he's in. We know he's a good player, right? I think he looked alright in the game, but he just looked yeah, a bit how, rusty. How do you think he looked in the in in the 120 minutes? Yeah, he looked good. He, he looked fit, which was obviously the, the encouraging thing. I think he's just sat there waiting for Alonso to have a dip of form so he can come in, um, but. He needs games, doesn't you can just see it, he needs games. He hasn't played properly since May, but he hasn't had a proper break because he was with England. Um I just think he was alright. He didn't pull up trees, but he didn't look bad either. He just sort of looked like a, a chill where he was edging his way back into the team. I just wish he had scored that penalty, because that would have won it, right? And then he would have had that confidence of being the one that all the players were jumping on. Yeah. Where where where, where are you on the Alonso Chilwell Chilwell Alonso conversation, oh. Ty? Well I think I'm mean, like a lot of people with with Alonso, he's it's very easy to fall out of love with him. It seems every other year we do until we get a manager that can somehow unlock him. Uh, and so obviously under Conte, he was, you know, he was majestic, uh, you know, obviously when we reverted back to the free and we had Moses on the other side. And then of course he's, he's had his wilderness years as far as I'm concerned. It was, I've just sort of been waiting for him to leave under the, the sorry reign. And then obviously Frank didn't fancy him, but He's he's rampaging, isn't he, of late? And it's it's really hard to to make a case for Chilwell when you've got Alonso sort of having so much impact and really sort of enjoying himself in the in the opposing half. And and so that's that's where we are. And but I'm, I'm with Gary. My heart goes out to Chilwell. I was really excited when we bought him because we we've needed a left back that can actually play left back and obviously gives us a little something going forward. And he's just a, a I suppose the best way to put it, he's had a pretty poor 2021 and I don't think it's entirely his fault. You know, it's like England, I can understand the dilemma there. Gareth had, okay, fine. And then, of course, uh, Tuchel has gone and, and rediscovered, uh, you know, our Spanish marvel. And it's like, all oh, right, what can you do? I would like to see him get regular opportunities. I, I don't think, I wouldn't be opposed at all to, to rotate He did it him. last season, didn't he? He did rotate him a lot. <clears throat> and then, um, like, Alonso scored that sort of wonder strike against Burnley, didn't he? Which sort of propelled him back into the team a bit. But I, I do think, as I've said so many times, I think as an all-round game, Chilwell is a better player. But I think what Alonso does is he gives you so much more in the final third. He does. Was it telling that he played four at the back in that Villa game as opposed to the three that he's been playing in the Prem well, games? Well, because he's playing Chilwell and he can do that. That's what I mean, yeah. So, is it, you know, because in the Prem games, he's, he's clearly going to play... Three, five, two, or some version of that, but he likes to three at the back, doesn't he? In the league game, so Chilwell's not best suited to that. We've um, we've sort of we've sort of talked that one out. Are you in agreement with that? Ty? you think in a back four, he's he's um, he's great, but in a, in a three, it's probably Alonso. It would almost certainly be that, wouldn't it? Really, because Alonso has obviously proved himself that if there's anywhere where he can be even deemed remotely close to world class, it's it's playing that you know, playing off the free on the left side. So, so there we are. I mean, it's good that what Tuchel did was, okay, let's play with the four. So we have got that option. We've got that on a locker. We've got a plan B. I mean, is it crazy to, to try chill out a bit more in with a free at the back? 
I mean, is is that is that completely off rate? He's a young player, and he is an athlete. Not not at all. I think I I I I I tend to agree with you. I mean, my my argument has been that one thing that that he does give you Alonso this is gives you is height at the back um and particularly from set pieces so that may be a consideration um but there's no reason I mean you when you said it's very easy to fall out of love with Alonso a few people might have done after Man City so you know we'll see Mm. we'll see what what happens and let's talk that one out when we get to the Man City game but but moving on what about what about Saul you know here's a guy that's come to us a reasonable amount of fanfare you know from Atletico Madrid um he had a pretty appalling first game he played in this game I thought he did okay you know to use your expression he didn't pull up any trees um he, he looked like he did a pretty sound job he wasn't awful what what where do you see Saul going Gary well I had this conversation with Kerry and we said this in secret which I will reveal and Kerry won't be happy <laughs> we hope that Saul is the long-term replacement for J5 that's what we're hoping do you well, you just hate Jorginho, <laughs> don't you? But then the thing is, is that the reason we said it is because, um, I don't know if you saw in the last international break, his agent has started making noises about, oh, it would be lovely if Jorginho went back to Italy and he could go to Italy ahead of the World Cup and he could win the World Cup and they're in Italy. And um, we were just looking and thinking, I wonder if Chelsea know he's on the go, you know, in the way that Rudiger's now saying, oh, I'm going to let my contract run down. I know Jorginho's doesn't, but they're thinking they, they'll have another year to get a bit of money for him and so they're looking at options and maybe Saul is an option that if he's if he gets back to what we saw 18 months ago then I think you've got an amazing player in your hands and the buyout on the loan is really cheap isn't it something like 30 million 35 million or something which I'm sure someone will correct me on but he operates in a similar space different sort of player obviously but he operates in the same space and I just think that if he's on form which he isn't at the moment but I think if he adapts an English game, I think he'll be far more suited to it and better than someone like Jorginho. I think he'll offer a bit more going forward in terms of what Chelsea need, which is what my criticism of Jorginho, which has always been, he's too one-dimensional, right? Which we'll get onto the City games to talk about. I think he is one-dimensional. He does one thing. He really does one thing. I'm not saying he does it bad. He does it great. But that's like saying Lukaku's really one-dimensional. He only scores goals. No, he's not, though, is he? He does so much more. He does so much more. I think Jorginho tries to control the pace of the game and when players swamp him like they did against Spurs, you need Kante to come in there and and pull him out of trouble. It happened against City as well. He got overrun in midfield and Rodridge completely bossed him. And I just think you look at it, whereas with Saul, he's a bit more dynamic. And I think that for the English game and moving forward with his Chelsea team for it to evolve, I think that someone like Saul is going to be better. But that I'm talking about Saul from 18 months ago. He, that version of him may never come back and then you're left with a dud right at the moment Jorginho is a better player right so tight so tight Gary's thrown a bunch of grenades into the conversation yeah he's gone really early with the Jorginho thing yeah, I'm gonna say he's hit I the don't ground know, I mean... Ty, you set up for me <laughs> before we started recording I thought right I've got to get a Jorginho jive in there I've got to get something right, going so let's unpack a little bit of this first right first tight Jorginho let's talk about Jorginho you're a you're a newbie you're the new boy you're, 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 a, you're a complete blank canvas here Jorginho, right. the verdict well, on Obviously, there's, there's division with the regulars. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan. I'm a lobbyist of Jorginho, uh, I would dare say. Uh, I think what he does is absolutely marvellous. I think he's done fantastic jobs at Tuchel's coming particularly. And look no further to how important he was to Italy, you know, not to sort of over-broaden it. But, but no, he, I think he's absolutely fantastic. He does need help. You're quite right, Gary. He, you know, it's a, 
he's not an all-round rampager, but what he does do is so tidy and effective, and he does break up play rather well, and his passing is fantastic. Saying that, we haven't got to the Man City game yet, and, I, and you're going to absolutely take over, as, using that as an example, I'm sure. It's happened two weeks in a row against a really poor Spurs team that got destroyed by a really poor Arsenal team. Well, not in the second half. Yeah, but why didn't half. it? Yeah, no, That's the thing. And I think that what happened... Well, we discussed this, Gary. We said that, yeah, we discussed this last week. We said that Jorginho and Ty's just said it as well. You know, Jorginho does need someone else next to him. But that's not, a, that's not necessarily a bad thing, because what you get when you put someone next to him is a unique player that does unique things. But then I think that's why we lost against City, because what happened is... After the game, I met someone. Well, let's not do that now because we're going to get. We're, 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 we'll, we'll, I've, we'll I've get lost where we were. We're talking about Saul. We'll weren't tie we? ourselves up in knots. I haven't even asked Ty about Saul yet. Do you, did you know an awful lot about Saul before he came to the club? Not incredibly. I'll, I'll right. level with you. I mean, I, you know, I do watch La Liga. I've got as, as much as a Champions League interest in yeah. Atletico over the years, and so no, I, I, you know, when we were linked with him and then you know you know eventually got him I was like well okay let's see what you can do and we haven't really had enough time but there we are we, we can look at the Villa League game and, and all sort of cringe but well, he had a shocker but that doesn't necessarily mean he's you know he's a dud and so he just needs some I've got really nothing really to say I'm, I'm sort of very happy with our midfield I don't see where really he fits in and where he's going to establish himself enough to to get that run and and to say I wish he would would probably curse one of the sort of great players we've already got. So I don't know. I don't know how he's going to sort of pull this off, but if he just grabs his opportunities and puts in some rules, you know, really gels and meshes with everybody else and does brilliantly, then, then so be it. But really, right now, if we're, if we're serious about mounting a, a Premier League challenge, as we are, it's, uh, you know, he's a supporting cast member and just hopefully he'll be a very good one. Well, yes, maybe that's the nature of, a, of an elite squad as you are. You, you do need some supporting cast members in there and, and maybe he can take his opportunity when it comes along. Let's talking about taking opportunities as they come along. Callum Hudson-Odoi, another player that perhaps has flattered to impress a little bit recently. Um, opportunity for him on uh, uh, last week to, to show us what he can do. Gary, did, did Callum, you know, sort of change a lot of people's minds about what he can do? He didn't change mine. I, I can only speak for me, right? He didn't change mine. Again, we I was watching it with my brother and it was just the, the reaction of we were predicting what he would do and he was getting in and around the box and he was doing it. And I just thought, if someone like me who's that shit at football knows what he's doing think about what the guy opposite him is who's getting paid to do it he's just really predictable and maybe it's a confidence thing maybe he needs a loan to go out and really get the game time so he's got the confidence in his in his ability to do things again but not alone to the championship but alone to a good team that's going to allow him to play the way that he does because at the moment he's becoming a wasted talent I think we've seen the flashes of brilliance from him we want to see that more from him we want to see players like him coming through the academy, but right now he's just really underwhelming, isn't he? We um, we all want Callum to do well, don't we, Ty? What's we your what's your really, view? Really, really want him to do well. He's he's. I, I'm worried that I jonahed him about 18 months ago because uh, <laughs> as we've all got, we've all got Man United mates somewhere. None of us want to admit it, but we do. And so I got into a really great pub row about who the next next great young England player would be. And I, I, you know, Callum sort of really kind of burst on the scene somewhat. And I was very excited as we all were. And then my Man United supporting friend said, oh, there's this Mason Greenwood kid. I said, I've seen a bit of him, but I, I don't reckon him. You'll, you'll watch Caltech. 
Anyway, he doesn't let me forget that over the last 18 months. And so, yeah, it, it's, oh gosh, Gary, I, I couldn't agree with you more. He's, we we got to bomb him out on loan. Uh, you know, the Germans seem to really love him. Uh, so why not go to Bundesliga? Just then go out there. I mean, uh, maybe that'll be a taste because we know, obviously, there's been there's been some serious transfer interest from over there. But yeah, I, I don't think it's going to get any better while he's on the bench. He seems to be festering. He seems to be snatching at chances. He's predictable as heck, just like you said, Gary. And uh, I don't see how it's going to improve with the squad we've got and how he's going to really make his mark and progress. But again, I loathe to lose him because none of us want to lose any of our academy talent as they come through. We want to see him flourish. We want to see him become legends. But right now, he's really stuck in the mud. Uh, he didn't impress me at all. He's not. He's not clearly not a right wing back, which is where he's been tried. He's you know fighting for a place in a very busy front three with Mount and Zayek, Pulisic, Havertz. Werner, Lukaku, you know, he's he's down the pecking. That's where I do feel I for him, though, Andy, is that he's got the... Yeah, I feel for him as well. Listen, I'm a big fan, but uh, he just seems, his confidence seems to be, you know, sort of dripping away with every game. He's not taking players on in the same way he did. He's, he's sort of suffering how Ruben did, you know, five, six years ago when Jose was there, and Jose, we'd seen him as this, like, number eight marauding midfielder, getting the ball from deep, arriving in the youth team, scoring a lot of goals, you know, there's that... Great video of him where he just picks the ball up on the edge of our box against Liverpool, runs it, rings around everyone and scores, right? You could see that he was too good for that level, Loftus-Cheek. And then Jose decided to play him. I remember because it was the season when we just won the title and we had just lost at home to uh, Liverpool. And the next game was Southampton and we lost going into the international break. And we came back from that. We played Villa. And Jose said, yeah, Ruben's going to play. And he played him for 45 minutes as a 10. And then he didn't do well as a 10 because... He's not a 10. And then Jose didn't play him then right through until like December the 2nd when he came off the bench in the 90th minute and played like two minutes. And then by that time, uh, you know, Jose gets sacked like a week later. Gus comes in, plays him as a 10. All his managers sort of mess him around. And really, although I loathe the guy, Sarri was the only one who really understood Ruben. And he looked amazing under him until he played in that pointless friendly in America and did his Achilles, right? And I look at Hudson-Odoi now and I'm like... He, he's done it when he played in his position, and now he's been played as a wing back. Then he's playing as inside forward. And I just feel for him, and I just feel like and also suffered a, a, an injury. Yeah, I just think, time, I think with him, so. whether it's a sale or what, he, he's definitely a good make weight if Chelsea want to make a big transfer because he's got yeah enough about him that a club can see him and go, we can make him into the player that's going to benefit us. But right now. He's nowhere near this starting eleven, is he? Well, let, let's hope that in a year's time we we look back and on this and chastise ourselves for our lack of vision, and he goes on to become one of the the leading lights of the Premier League. But, I think the uh, worry the, the worry with that is how many people have to die oh. before he gets a first team spot. Really, I know. it's, like, it's, it's going it. to be difficult for him. It's going to be so hard, and so you know, sometimes if, you know, if you love something and enough, you got to let him go, and, and I, it's, that that probably is the inevitability with this. I hate seeing him fester. Genuinely, I'm conscious that we that we've got another game to fit in here. So I want to I want to just sort of say, well, you know, Werner popped up. He got a goal, as you said, Ty. Pretty Werner performance, wasn't it? Got a goal, Mister Sitter, um, and you know, was busy and, and and looked busy and ran the line well. Um, and uh, they you know finished one one, and then we won on penalties and we're through to the next round. So job done. Uh, Gary's wish for Chelsea to lose didn't happen. Um, we're we're in round four. We have got Southampton in the next round, so that should be fun. We'll we'll find out a little bit about more about them on Saturday when we play them. Uh, let's take a break now uh, for some ads, and then we'll be back to talk about Man City. 
And we're back. And I'm joined by uh, Ty Atkins and Gary Hayes to talk about Chelsea uh, Man City on Saturday. It was my birthday on Saturday. So that was... Happy good, birthday, Andy. Uh, went along... F- Thank you very much. Uh, not that you said it at the time, but thank you. Um, I will. Uh, I went along thinking, well, this will be nice. Early kickoff, dinner in the evening with the family. This will be a great day, and uh, didn't didn't turn out brilliantly. Uh, what did you think, uh, Ty, of the team when you saw it? Mendy in goal, back three of Dave Christensen and Rudiger, midfield five of James and Alonso as the wing backs. Kante, Jorginho, and Kovacic, and then uh, Lukaku and Werner paired up front any surprises or raised eyebrows with that a little bit but and I don't think I'm the only Chelsea fan who's probably guilty of this probably a little bit overconfident thought you know what we've won the tactical battle three times in a row against Pep why won't we do that against today oh hello three defensive minded midfielders in the middle okay he knows what he's doing it'll be okay they might press no I don't think Pep will press yeah we'll be okay that's what I thought when I looked at the lineups and then, well, they say it's a, what's it, a week's a long time in politics, but it really is in football because apparently Man City was a crumbling monolith <laughs> coming into that game, weren't they? And we were the ascending um, champions elect almost. If you just smell the, you know, the, the atmosphere amongst Chelsea fans and even the media. Uh, what we realised was that, no, Man City are a bloody good team, aren't they? And uh, how dare us kind of forget and so, yeah, I, yeah, I was totally confident to answer your question, Andy. I, I thought, okay, well, we know what we're doing because we've been proving that. And we've had such a hard run of fixtures over the season. We barely put a foot wrong. What could possibly go wrong? So, no, I had full faith. What could possibly go wrong? Well, yeah. everything, clearly. <laughs> uh, they started well, didn't they, Man City? I have to say. Did, did you see, this, this is the thing, though. And I had this conversation with Kerry on Saturday night when I was coming back. And I was trying to think of a way to say it that wasn't cliche, but... I can't think of a better way. But it is a case of, I think, this game, we lost it rather than Man City winning it. And I think that the manager, for the first time, I haven't watched it back, but Kerry said that they said similar on BT Sport after that. I thought for the first time that he's been at Chelsea, I think the manager made a big mistake and we lost the game back on the back of that. What was the mistake? He thought he was playing Spurs. Because he did what he did in the second half against Spurs to start off the City game. And within 10 minutes, you could see it wasn't working. And and then he didn't... And he got to half-time, and I was messaging Kerry during the game, and I said, ah, oh, he'll change it. He'll bring Havertz on at half-time. He'll go back to, uh, f- you know, 3-4-3, three, three, and it'll give us more, you know, um, space to get out because what was happening is that on paper you look in you think okay City are playing a three-man midfield, but we're sort of playing a five, so we're going to outnumber them and we'll be able to bypass their press. But then it, that is a risk. I always say about a five-man midfield is that it becomes a five-man defence, and it really did. And then James and um, Alonso couldn't get up. Obviously, James got injured, which didn't help. Um, but they, they couldn't get up. And or, or, or did it? Or did it help in some ways? Because at that point, half an hour in, we were getting pretty battered, and it brought Thiago Silva into the fray, um, which I thought made it slightly more solid. Did you see? I think it that I way? think when, when I say it didn't help with James is that it meant he couldn't change it maybe no. to have Aspi no. as the wing back because try as he might, he's not you know, he would have got exposed so much against Graylish, right? So I can understand why he didn't do stuff. Um but I I just looked at it and you could see I don't know what it was like from your end because you're at the opposite end of the West End to me, Andy, but I could mm. watching it sideways, you get to see all those I'm using my hands like anyone can see what I'm talking about. But you, you get to see the 
the way teams are pressing, you can see the pattern, right? And there was the other thing that really frustrated me is that Chelsea were getting so camped into their own box that when the ball was getting cleared, they were really slow to come out because they were looking at each other and they weren't sure who was meant to be leading the chase up the field. And then at one point, midway through the first half, Lukaku and Werner were like proper going at the midfielders and telling them to pull up and that. And everyone was confused. And City really capitalised on it. And I think when... In the second half when I saw it, you could see City that Chelsea would get a corner and the ball would get cleared and it would go to Kante and he would look up and he would see this sea of City players coming at him and he would go back to Mendy. And by the time the ball got to Mendy, literally the City team was on the halfway line. It was quite something, wasn't it? I mean, you know, I, I've been pretty damning of Pep, you know. I mean, a lot of it's just, you know, banter and pressing buttons, calling him fraudiola and all that kind of stuff. But I read a really interesting piece this morning about about the press and somebody analysing it and saying what was really interesting about it is that it was a diagonal press. That Actually, it was Foden that started the press. He went diagonally in on the centre-back, uh, which forced the centre-back to push it over to a particular side, which meant that Man City could swarm on them. It was very Barcelona. And and Gary's right. It was. They just swarmed. I mean, I was really impressed with Man City's press. I mean, you know, we, we've, we've heard a lot about the Gegen press and heavy metal football and Klopp and all that kind of stuff. This is the first time I felt that we've been overwhelmed by a press for, 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 for a long time, didn't you think, Ty? Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And um, a terrible time for it to happen, really, again, because, you know, I just went into the game like everybody else, just thinking, well, you know, the tide is... is properly turning here but but yeah I was incredibly impressed by him but but we've not had some good we've had a few bad first halves lately though haven't we I mean the Villa game in the league that wasn't particular, and in Spurs that was frightening uh you know for me particularly anyway not it's bloody Spurs for goodness sake and and then of course it's like what you said again Gary it's half time we did that that's what I've suspected this time because it was clearly not working it was um it was a very, very hard watch that first 45 minutes. But there you are. I mean, when Reese came off, it, I just thought, well, the thing is, one thing about Reese is that he does give us something going forward, even if we, you know, coming from a deep position. But then when Silva came on, that was pretty much it. It was like, right now, what are we depending on? We're depending on, because the gap between midfield and, and our two boys up front was, was well, it, it was beyond sizable. I I had no confidence we'll get a goal. Once, once we went one behind, I really didn't. And uh, uh, that proved to be the case. It was we just didn't have an answer to that press. It was brutal. I, I, I agree, and uh, it didn't feel like we were going to score. That's true. Although there was a you know one moment where Werner crossed it for Lukaku. I mean, we didn't have a shot on target, did we? However, they only had four shots on target, and they scored from a deflected goal. So, although the possession, the press, the 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 sort of dominance of of the ball was was very much Man City, and you can't disagree with it. If you look at it. If you stand back and look at it, didn't create that many clear-cut chances. And, you know, they didn't score more than one deflected goal. So you've got to take some comfort from that. That's why I think, that's why I was saying about we lost it rather than them winning it. Because I feel like we played into their hands too much. And with that five-man midfield, you sort of saw it from the beginning, right? And I was coming over on the tube and I saw, okay, it makes sense. It, this is good. And I like Werner and Lukaku playing together. Because I thought, oh, they're going to play really close. And then that's going to allow James and Alonso to overlap, which is going to give us all this space to get in behind them. That three-man in midfield is going to sort of over, you know, dominate them. But then what happened is that because of the way they pressed us, they they didn't they didn't know they didn't know we were playing a five, right? They went in with that idea. But the thing is, is that it was just so two-dimensional, 
And I don't know what you see on TV, but I'm watching it off the ball, and it's so two-dimensional where they were trying to bypass City the way they were pressing them, but they couldn't because everyone was so deep. So the ball was just going to Lukaku, and there's people around me going, hold it up, hold it up. I was like, you're asking him to hold off like four or five players. It's impossible. He can't do that. And there was a couple of times when he actually looked like he might, and he's trying to pull players into play. And he couldn't. And then I think in the second half, before Havertz came on, Werner in the end just went, you know, stuffed this, got the ball, just ran down a wing at him. And I was like, this is doing something. And then he whipped it in. I think that might have been the chance for Lukaku. But it was only when Havertz came on and we changed the shape that we started looking better. And I know we were playing a bit more desperate. But City are there to get to be got at, right? And I just thought that it was almost like Tuchel overthought it and it sort of backfired spectacularly. And I don't think we should have lost massively. 1-0 is probably fair. Because they didn't create a lot. Their shots on target weren't like they were completely annihilating us. I think a couple of them came when we really opened up and had to go for it to get a goal. I don't think they were that great. And I know that's... There was one moment when when Mendy pushed it into the path of uh, Jesus, who Silva cleared it brilliantly off the line. That, That was one moment. There was a Grealish shot across the goal that you know he tipped around the post I mean there were there were moments I mean you know they were I think they were worthy win as much as it, it it pains me to say it but I don't think that I thought oh my god you know this is all this has all been a, a you know a, a sort of a dream and and actually we've woken up to the reality that we're not very good I actually think I, I actually think we're fine I think you're right I think Tuchel did get it wrong he overthought it as Pep did in the Champions League final these are two elite managers trying to overthink or outthink each other and ended up overthinking each other and I think that it'll be a learning curve you know it's he's clearly still in the kind of process of figuring out what this team is he's got a new striker that he needs to integrate he's got new players that he wants to to bring into the side so it's um you know, it's fine by me. I mean, I was disappointed because, as Ty said, you know, this is, this is not a game you want to lose. But if you're going to lose any game, lose this one. Don't lose the games against Southampton and Brentford and Norwich and Newcastle coming up. Lose this one and beat them at the Etihad because, actually, the other results, the Liverpool draw and the Man United loss, uh, means that it didn't do us that much damage. We lost at the right time, didn't we? Pretty sanguine about it. You know, we've had a really, really tough start to the season. I think we've done really well. We've got to give credit where it's due. That's my view. What do you think, Ty? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, if we were gonna, if we we're gonna drop one, that was as good a time and as good opponent as ever to do it. And again, I think we came out, we we come out unscathed because the defense did look good. I mean, they had to deal with an enormous amount of pressure and, and a very unusual, unique style of press as well. And I think they can hold their hands up. And yeah, what you were getting out there, Andy, I think Mendy was was excellent again. Um, it, would it have been any different? Kepa was there, I don't know, but I just know that you know the amount of confidence that he's got as a keeper and the amount of confidence he gives us as fans uh, is 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 another great thing to take out once more uh, from that. And so, being yeah, being a Chelsea fan for a long time, I still have nightmares of getting great results against strong teams, going to Old Trafford, get points, and then losing. Losing against the Southampton, losing against the Sheffield Wednesday, for goodness' sake, or or even <laughs> Bradford, and so yeah, we've got we've got a nice, well, on paper, a nice run coming up, don't we? So we've got Southampton, we've got Brentford, we've got the little gap, and then I think we've got Norwich, Norwich and Newcastle, and so yeah. I'm not going to get overconfident at all. We come out with a bunch of points from that. That's absolutely fantastic, uh, but yeah, a part of me does still, I still fear a little, and it's the same as the half twelve kickoffs. I don't know what you think about that, but. But I'm not a big lover of them, uh, I must say, as well, for us. I always think we seem to be a slight beat off. I would rather play Man City under the lights on a on a you know cauldron-like Wednesday 
evening than at a 12.30 on a Saturday. I think we're the kind of team that responds to the big occasion. It's hard to kind of get people rocking at 12.30 on a Saturday. And I think that, I don't know if that, I'm, I'm not blaming anybody because, you, know, you know, I was in the crowd. So I just don't think it was the kind of atmosphere that you would have maybe got under the lights or a later kickoff on a Saturday or a Sunday. Uh, you know, it just, it's a weird one. I think you're right. That, yeah, I, I think I, that, that I, is a I, factor. I, don't like it and it can really stuff your weekend or in your case your birthday oh, no. uh, when I went to the, I went to the Joshua fight later on and then that did you oh, God, oh, you had a lovely day then oh and then the Ryder Cup it's just been brutal brutal for gambling brutal for, <laughs> for fandom but, uh, but yeah, I no, didn't I, have a bet on AJ that would have been a silly bet uh, well I did actually bet on you sick but I didn't want to tell anyone the time <laughs> yeah, but, right. but cheering cheering on AJ cheering on the, the, the Watford lad nonetheless um, so yeah that's I don't think we're coming out of it really badly uh, it's there's a, there's a lot of positives there. It's just one of those we were just done on the day, and it was. Uh, and you got, I think you got to look at that match in and of itself, just only as it is. It was just a, you know, it was just a, a little bit of a tactical tactical victory for yeah. uh, for for Pep there. And statistically, and it was about time that they, you know, after three in a row, statistically, you were thinking four in a row. That's that's stretching asking, it a little bit. asking a little bit too much. So yeah, but there was a, there was positives there. But yeah, I do think I'm, I'm a lot more comfortable with three up front there and and it just felt a little like Lukaku and Werner might bump into each other at any time it was slightly calamitous for me but there we are there was no whip whatsoever was there because I had to play so close together and it was only when Havertz came in that you saw that yeah. Lukaku was able to stay central because he knew that he wasn't too far from a player whereas Werner and he was trying to stay together so close but because James or Aspi when he ended up going as the the right back and Alonso couldn't get up. They were just so isolated. There was no width whatsoever. And it was easy for City to defend against. It was really, really poor. But, you know, it wasn't Sarri losing 6-0 at the Etihad when we did, when we were rightly pissed off. I think this was a... Don't do it again, Thomas, because we know you're a good coach. Well, that day didn't... Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, that was an awful day. But, um, uh, OK, so so just looking at the table after that game, uh, Liverpool drew with Brentford. Brentford looked like they got a bit about them, so that's not going to be an easy game. Uh, they're on 14 points after six. Uh, Man City's win against us put them on to 13. We're also on 13 with one less goal in the goal difference. Man United's loss kept them at 13 with a goal difference of eight. Uh, Everton uh, in fifth on 13. Brighton play tonight. And of course, if Brighton beat Palace tonight, they will go top and push us back down to fourth. So all to play for. I think it's going to be a a hell of a season. Um, Thank you, Ty. And thank you, Gary, for your insight on those two games. Uh, We will be back on Friday with our preview of the Southampton game. Uh, Ty and Gary are going to join me for that as well. Uh, But until then, uh, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Come on, you Blues. If you'd like to advertise on or sponsor this show, contact us at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.